a very good evening to you. Welcome along once again to Sweet and Swing here on Max Radio. I'm Howard Kane, with you through until the top of the hour, as always. What have we got? How about some Chick Webb? Not heard from Chick for a while. Bit of Mel Torme digging into that double CD from Avid. More from our friends Enser, Oscar Peterson. And to start off... You know what? I've told every little star. I've told every little star Just how sweet I think you are Why haven't I told you? Made my heart an open book Why haven't I told you? Friends ask me, am I in love? I always answer yes Might as well confess If I don't make yes Maybe you may know it too Oh my darling, if you do Might as well confess if I don't. 
don't they guess? Maybe you may know it too. Oh, my darling, if you do, why haven't you told me? Good as way as any to get going, I suppose, isn't it? I've told every little star. Leighton and Johnston, of course. Remember them? Maybe not. Who would? Very handsome-looking pair. Great picture I'm looking at of the... I must be listening to that. Of the pair of them looking incredibly dapper in smart overcoats, lovely Trilby or Homburg-style hats, both carrying canes. Very elegant-looking. Vocal duo, of course. Americans, big big in the 20s and 30s. Uh, 30s. They might have been thirsty as well. Turner Layton and Clarence Tandy Johnston. And they moved to uh, New York in the 1920s and then moved to England a couple of years later, which is where they found great success. And between 1924 and 1935, they sold, wait for it, 10 million records. Over 10 million records, to be exact. On shellac, you know, none of your downloads then, the real things. They appeared in pretty much any top venue you can think of in London, Paris, uh, across Europe as well, and gave command performances for the royal family on several occasions. Also on the radio as well, of course. But they disbanded in the mid-30s after a bit of a scandal. Who doesn't like a scandal, we have to say? (laughs) Well, they uh, arrived in England in the mid-20s, performed at exclusive London clubs such as the Kit Kat, I was having this debate with my brother the other day because, you know, oh no, the Kit Kat Club. That was in Berlin, that was the one about cabaret because there is the copy of the Kit Kat Club down by uh, Hungerford Bridge, I think it is, down in London where the cabaret is currently showing in the West End and it's done up as the Kit Kat Club. But I said, no, 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 there was a Kit Kat Club in London in the heydays of the 20s and 30s, which indeed there was. And they also performed at the likes of the Coliseum and the Holborn, uh, Holborn uh, Empire, I should say, and uh, the Edward Prince of Wales was something of a fan and they toured in Berlin and Brussels and Paris and played the Sal Playel and all sorts of places but then in 1934 Clarence Johnson became embroiled in a very scandalous divorce case involving the wife of the orchestra leader and violinist Albert Sandler and it was interracial of course Leighton Johnson both black men and the woman was white and well yes I mean, no one's going to bat an eyelid these days, or I sincerely hope they wouldn't in any case. But back in the day, it was all a bit of, oh dear. And this interracial affair caused a stir in England, leading the judge in the divorce case to warn the jury that when deciding damages, they must get out of their heads, according to the judge, any idea of vindictiveness because of colour. I know, I know, we've improved, but we're still not brilliant even today, are we? And after finishing their existing recording and performing contracts, Leighton and Johnson broke up in 1935. Then afterwards, Turner Leighton had a great solo career, stayed in England until he died in the late 1970s. And Clarence Johnson eventually married Raymond Gilbert Sandler in December of 1935 and began a new partnership with Jules Bledsoe in 1936. That's a professional partnership, but broke up shortly afterwards and he and his wife eventually went back to New York where he didn't last as long as his uh, former colleague he died in the early 1950s good sound they made there wasn't it good sound indeed what about this for a bit of a different sound ukulele ike 
Say it's only a paper moon Sailing over a cardboard sea But it wouldn't be make-believe If you believed in me Yes, it's only a canvas sky Hanging over a muslin tree But it wouldn't be make-believe If you believed in me Without your love It's a honky-tonk parade Without your love It's a melody played in a penny arcade It's a Barnum and Bailey world Just as phony as it can be But it wouldn't be make-believe Fun, wasn't it? Good fun. Ukulele Ike with, well, you recognise that, I'm sure, in any case, didn't you? It's only a paper moon. What else? Lovely tune, isn't it? Da, 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 de, de, de. Always really like that one. Ukulele Ike, well, wasn't actually called Ike at all, of course. He was called Cliff Edwards, was his real name, and uh, took on the stage name or nickname of Ukulele Ike and enjoyed great success in the 20s and 30s doing that sort of stuff, really. And your trivia question, here's a good trivia, one for Trivial Pursuit. Did you recognise the voice? Did you think, sounds vaguely familiar, I wonder where, what's it remind me of? Some sort of character? Well, I'll tell you, he did some voices for some animated cartoons. He's got that sort of voice, hasn't he? And then also supplied the voice of who? Any ideas? Walt Disney, Pinocchio, he was Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket in the classic Walt Disney Pinocchio. You can hear it now, can't you? I promised you a bit of Oscar Peterson. Here he is. I loves you, Porgy.
Wasn't that lovely? I love you. I loves you even. Porgy. Not I love you porgies. I loves you porgy. Given a wonderful interpretation there by Oscar Peterson. Uh, a man who I had the great delight to see twice. Um, the first time was wonderful, I think, with uh, the guitar player and also I think it was Ray Brown on bass Herbellis, I think, and uh, Ray Brown the first time I saw him. Both times at the Royal Albert Hall in London. And the second time was the last time he was in England, sadly, before he died. And by that stage he'd had a stroke and one of his hands wasn't really working that well. And also his clearly had been affected, I think, mentally, in that he sort of got confused and called the same tune a few times and did seem very sort of confused about the numbers they were playing and such like, which was uh, rather sad to see. Happily, the place was packed simply because people were there knowing it was the last chance they were going to have to see the great man. So I think people would have forgiven him anything. And he could still play when he uh, when he got going. It was just a case of knowing what it was coming up, I think, on the set list sometimes. But yeah, wonderful player and uh, sadly missed. But if you're a fan, oodles and oodles of wonderful Oscar Peterson recordings knocking around. If you ever see Tracks, is one of my favourite solo piano, wonderful stuff. More at the modern side of the spectrum, I'd say, than in the sweet and swing, nostalgia side, but her terrific stuff. And a Reunion Blues, again, if you like, a good swinging album. Certainly recommend that one. Speaking of swinging, what are those uh, crazy cats at Ensor up to? I think they're off to Scotland or something like that. Glad to be back in Bonnie, Scotland again with the Bonnie Banks and Braves, the Bonnie Heather, the Bonnie Wee Baron and the Blooming Works Manager. <laughs> Our first composition is all about love. Shut all the doors and send the welfare supervisor out. <laughs> the title of the song is She Does It All For Me. I have found the sweetest girl of all She just waits to answer to my call Mine is tall and stately And she's just the latest word Mine could do with slimming Still it's meat that makes the bird What a weekend ration she is Mine is a blonde Her page boy never needs a pin She does it all for me Mine has a fringe with last night's curlers still left in. <laughs> she does it all for me. When mine's in the canteen, she looks absolutely great. Yes. Toying like a lady with her middle piece of skate. Mine gets the bone stuck underneath her bottom plate. <laughs> she does it all for me. Thank goodness she can't get pigs now anyway. She has got a heart so good and true Eyes that rather see all is blue Mine has dimpled cheeks and they're as pink as any rose Every time mine blushes all the blood runs to her nose Let me all name Campbell Mine puts nail varnish on her toes They're so petite she does it all for me Mine's got a pair of feet that block up half the street She does it all for me When mine goes out walking, she trips gaily through the town Looking quite a picture in the very latest gown Mine works not need to stop her stockings coming down She does it all for me Of course, the factory had to suspend her, you know 
mine's always singing. She has music in her soul. She does it all for me. Mine's got the kind of voice they use for shouting coal. She does it all for me. Mine is oh so true to me. She's really simply grand. Always drinks her lemonade. She knows I understand. Mine gets half pickled with Geraldo and his band. She does it all for me.
whenever I hear Gerald, I'm always think how modern actually a lot of it still sounds. I mean, it goes right the way back and certainly into the swing era, but in the sort of latter part of his career, there definitely was a sort of modernistic sound to it there, and that has sort of echoes of Gil Evans or something like that there a little bit, doesn't it? Or a bit of Duke Ellington or something along those lines. Definitely has got a sort of modern tinge to the music, I think, no doubt about that. doesn't sound dated at all, some of the latter Geraldo. Uh, referenced in the first piece of that little twofer, uh, namely our friends at Ensa. And uh, she does it all for me. <laughs> a comedy number, as you gathered. Uh, whether you get away with some of the lyrics these days, I suspect not. Uh, it's meat that makes the bird. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <clears throat> it was of its day, which was quite a while back now. Um, 19, what, late 1930s, early 40s, somewhere around about there, there I think so. Knocking on for 90-odd years ago, so... Things have changed quite a bit, I dare say. But it was the Western brothers, who were actually very f funny, I thought, in many ways. Uh, they weren't actually brothers. They were cousins and came up with this idea of a duo of the, of the two sort of posh idiots, to a degree. They'd always wear monocles and they'd always wear evening dress for their performances. And they started out in the 20s calling themselves the perfectly polite pair. And then they sort of broke up or the act stopped. And it was ages before they sort of reinvented the act and then changed the name to the Western Brothers. And uh, George provided the uh, piano accompaniment to a lot of the songs. Ernest uh, was the... Uh, uh, sorry, Kenneth was the other brother, stroke, cousin. And they did very nicely, thank you. They uh, appeared in newspaper advertisements, advertisements for various products. And then as now, adverts... Pay money, much more than you'll get for paying in a nightclub or playing live, I dare say, around the circuit. And they made enough cash out of a variety of things, particularly the advertising, to tour the variety circuit, flying in their own plane. I can't be that, can it? There can't be many comedians who sort of, oh yeah, I'll just come to the next gig, I'll just fly up there in my private plane. And they would stay in the swankiest hotels as well. Where, frankly, BBC, remember that one? That was the Western Brothers. Um, and also keeping up the old traditions was a goodie. They also got embroiled in a little bit of controversy in their day. Uh, late in the 40s, uh, 1948, Kenneth told a joke in between songs during a live performance on the home service. <gasps> Can you imagine? I dare say the world must have come to a halt. The punchline of the joke, uh, I don't know what the joke was, but the punchline, apparently, was that uh, Hugh Gaskell, the then Minister of Fuel and Power, was guilty of nepotism. I mean, no one would bat an eyelid these days, but BBC Home Service, 1940s, dear me, couldn't be accepted at all. Big fuss in the press. The BBC edited the joke out of the repeat a few days after it went out live and also broadcast a joint apology from themselves, the BBC, and the Western Brothers as well. The Brothers then received a reply from the Solicitor General, who stated, and I quote, Mr. Gateskill is happy to accept your assurance that no personal reflection was ever intended. He desires me to add that a number of people have asked him whether he has, in fact, got a nephew in the employ of the National Coal Board, which shows how readily there is assumed to be a substratum of fact behind such jokes. However, for Mr. Gateskill, and I hope for you, the matter is now at an end.
clouds at midnight Neath the starry sky Nice work if you can get it And you can get it if you try Strolling with the one girl Sighing sigh after sigh Nice work if you can get it And you can get it if you try Just imagine someone Waiting at the cottage door Where two hearts become one Who could ask for anything more Loving one who loves you And then taking that vow Nice work if you can get it And if you get it Won't you tell me how Nice work if you can get it Nice work if you can get it The man who only lives for making money Lives a life that isn't necessarily sunny Likewise the man who works for fame There's no guarantee that time won't erase his name The only work that really brings enjoyment Is the kind that is for girl and boy meant Fall in love, you won't regret it That's the best kind of work If you can get it Holding hands at midnight the starry sky Nice work if you can get it And you can get it if you try Strolling with the one girl Sighing sigh after sigh Nice work if you can get it Nice work if you can get it And if you get it Won't you tell me how stuff. Mel Tome. Nice work, if you can get it. We've been digging into this one there, well, once or twice really. Three times possibly now, I don't know, but we're keeping this double CD from our friends at Avid. Collection four classic albums, and that one I think is from Mel Tome Sings Fred Astaire. Always a favourite of mine. Nice work, if you can get it. Mel on vocals and their great band there, led by Marty Pech who did a great uh, arrangement of Art Pepper, if you've ever heard that. Art Pepper plus Eleven. I think that was led by Marty Paik. Very good stuff indeed. And the likes of Jack Montrose on tenor there, Herb Geller on alto, and the Pete Condoli on the trumpets. Chick Webb. I promised you some Chick Webb, the wonderful band leader of his day and a terrific drummer, even though he battled against a lot of personal or health problems, it has to be said. Fine player, though, and a great band as well. How about this one? Azure. <laughs>
Great track, that, isn't it? Great sound as well from Chick Webb and the band back in the 1930s from an album which uh, featured some of the vocals of the wonderful Ella Fitzgerald as well. But, uh, yeah, he was permanently crippled from a very early age, uh, I think almost from birth, at Chick Webb, but led one of the greatest bands going at the time, it has to be said, through the 20s and 30s. Absolutely wonderful stuff. And you can tell really there again, it, there was that sort of modernistic feel to a lot of it, which really led on to a lot of the sort of bands that followed afterwards and a fine sound. And a lovely chap from all accounts and that he was a great employer and even in the latter stages of his career when he was really suffering health-wise, he kept the band going simply because he knew otherwise around the time of the Depression such like and when things were hard that a lot of his instrumentalists wouldn't have work if he didn't have the band going. Terrific stuff. Um, we better have a bit of our classic motoring music, haven't we? We haven't had any of that for a while. How about the Dorsey Brothers who are heading towards the crossroads.
There we go. At the crossroads. Well, where else would you be? It's our motoring song for the week. Classic motoring music on the right road. In that case, the road was the crossroads. Who was there? Well, it was actually the Dorsey brothers. Early Dorsey brothers. You wouldn't recognise them, would you? I wouldn't, anyway. 1928. And Smith Ballou telling us all about the crossroads, who I think was an actor and... uh, Mostly an actor, but also a bit of a singer and uh, something of an orchestral leader as well. An all-rounder. And what a great name. Smith Baloo. No relation to, I think, Baloo the Bear in uh, Jungle Book, as far as I'm aware. But, yes. (laughs) And he looked a very dashing chap as well, having had a quick peek at an old photograph of him. But, yeah, good all-rounder. And had that sort of 20s-style voice there, didn't he? Very nice. Nothing wrong with that at all. Bearing in mind it was the 1920s. Where else would you sound? Good good song. We'll have more of those next week. Some real great mix on this right road classic motoring music from the really lovely to the absolutely completely bonkers and uh, all roads in between. Uh, another man I had the pleasure of meeting, albeit briefly, was the band leader Illinois Jacquet uh, on the wonderful jazz cruise I did 20-odd years ago. Funny done the one. Wouldn't mind going back for another, it has to be said. You can't beat it. And uh, there they were on one night. There was jazz all the way for a week. The Caribbean jazz, lots of food. Date women, you know, you're getting the picture. Sunshine, wonderful food, a beautiful boat. The old SS Norway now, no longer in operation, I don't think. I think it's a gambling boat or something similar. But, oh, wonderful. And on whatever night it was, they said, and tonight on the deck at the rear of the boat, what's that one called? The stern, isn't it? Uh, The stern deck, whatever that's called. Poop deck? I can't remember. Let me know how to gain at maxradio.com, C-A-I-N-E. <laughs> if you know, know the boat parts of a boat well off, well, because I can never remember them. Anyway, on this night, it was at the stern, on the deck, at the stern of the boat, under a beautiful sky, and the Illinois Jacquet Big Band were giving it Dixie, a 20-something piece big band with the man himself, again, no longer with us, of course, conducting from out front in the most wonderful multicoloured jacket and I think I did get a picture with him somewhere but it was long before digital and I can't find it now I'll have to sift through endless plastic bags full of prints to find it because it was a lovely one I said, oh, sure man I'll have a picture and uh, yeah it stood me in my waistcoat and uh, him in his wonderful coat of many colours beaming away after the gig terrific stuff and what did the band sound like? well not a million miles removed from this I guess
Illinois Jacquet on the saxophone there. Not with an entire big band, I grant you on that one. Um, but you get the sense of his tone in any case, that big, wide tone he had. Uh, the Brute, I think he was. Known as rather unpolitely, wasn't he? Or The Beast, The Brute, I think he was, Illinois Jacquet. Um, and, well, you recognise the song, Can't We Be Friends, I think that was. Roy Eldridge on trumpet, Jimmy Jones piano, Ray Brown bass, Herb Ellis guitar, Joe Jones at the drums from here, somewhere in the 1950s, from the album Swings the Thing. Oh my goodness, look at that. It is almost, as they say, that time again. I don't know where it goes. put out the lights and go to sleep. Something we're going to have to do uh, fairly shortly, I think, because as I say, that time has caught up with us yet again. I don't know how it happens one way or another. Um, you might have recognised Sam Brown on the vocals there in 1932 with Nona Wynn was the female vocalist, if you recognised her. Australian actress again. I think she was called something like the flute or the human flute. She had a huge range which she employed very effectively 
and uh, very nice sort of rounded tones as well. Uh, singing there with Ambrose, I think it was. Was it again? Yeah, it was Ambrose back in fairly early 1932. Nice little song as well. I see it was before the invention of dishwashers, though. Yeah, just leave the leave the sink, you know, leave the dishes in the sink. We'll go to bed. You know the feeling, don't you, after a party? Although, of course, if you have got a dishwasher, you can load them all night before. That's more or less it for another week. As we head towards Christmas. I know, I know, I think you can say it now. It's going to be December in a few days, you know. Christmas cards, a few trees already up. Not at a card yet, but you know. It's always nice to send some out, isn't it? Anyway, whatever you're doing, stay warm, look after yourself, stay healthy. Start Christmas shopping now before it's too late, and I'll see you next week. Cheerio. Bye. 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 Bye.